Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our 10 Minutes of Meaning. Help yourself to some coffee and donuts. want to thank our sponsors. As always, Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lili Nishmas, David Ben Menachem, Manash. We're learning Mesil Sisharem, 10 minutes every Wednesday morning, and inspiring ourselves with the Ramchal's incredible penetrating insights to life. And we've been talking about the first character trait in this 12-step program of living a more meaningful, best version of ourself life is to practice zahirus, vigilance, caution, before we go out there and just conquer the world with enthusiasm and alacrity, to first identify what are the pitfalls, what are the things that bring us down, what are the things that knock us off course, what has led us astray previously and in the past. So he talks about the Ramchal, we read last week, how the world is similar to a dark place. It's a very, very dark place, and when a room is dark, one trips over all the furniture, all the obstacles. One can stumble, one can fall. How do we illuminate? How do we turn the light on? Torah. Torah's or is light. And it doesn't remove the obstacles, but enables us, empowers us to be able to navigate through them. And when one is trapped in darkness, if you're in a dark place, a dark room, it's not enough that you can't see. Worse than being trapped in darkness is confusing it and thinking that you're in light. Worse than being trapped in darkness is thinking that you can actually see. And I've seen this so many times when a family is doing an intervention on somebody who's struggling with an addiction, who's making poor choices, whose judgment is clouded, who's sabotaging their own lives. And there's an intervention which is done, the person who's so trapped by the darkness of their addiction, be it a clinical addiction, which all of society would label an addiction, or be it simply bad habits and poor choices, the individual who's trapped in that darkness not only doesn't know that they're in darkness, not only doesn't realize that their habits and their pattern is ruining their own life, but the person actually defends it and justifies it and thinks they're living the most virtuous life and they're making the best choices. That is the power of the Eight Sahara, the power of the appetite, of the drive for things that are bad for us. People who are clinically obese and who are unhealthy, but who fail to take care of it, as we serve the donuts this morning, who fail to, who fail to take care of it because they, no, it's just, uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm big boned. No, this is my genetics. No, this is healthy for me. No, this is just who I am. This is just the way I am. And what's true in terms of physical is true spiritually as well. And so the Ramchal is describing that we all, are, we all struggle with this. If we lack the self-awareness, if we lack the ability to take ourselves outside of ourselves and look at our own life. Humans are uniquely positioned in this way. Only human beings can have a level of self-awareness where we can see ourselves, where we can judge our own lives, our own behavior, our own choices. Animals have what we call impulse or instinct. And the nefesh bahami, the animal in us, that animal component of us, also has an instinct and a drive, also wants to give in to its appetite, its temptation in that moment. But we also have a tselem elokim. And what it means to have a godly spirit is of the capacity for discipline, for self-control. It's the capacity for self-awareness to step outside ourselves and say, what does my life look like? What are the choices I'm making look like? Are they really the best? And are they creating the best version of myself? Or am I so trapped in darkness that I think I can see? I make the mistake of thinking I can see. You ever wake up in the middle of the night, it's a dark room. You ever, uh, someplace dark, there's no light. And you mistake objects for people. You mistake people for objects. 
And the most important thing is to know it's dark, and I have to realize I could be confused, and I shouldn't believe the illusion that my mind is playing on. So, so too in life, one has to realize it's a dark world, and it's a world of temptation, and it's so easy to confuse vice and virtue, to defend vices as if they're virtues, and to ignore virtues as if they're, reject them as if they're vices. All this is because we're trapped in darkness. We are under the rule, we are under the oppression of our Yetzirah. If you've ever struggled with drive, with appetite, which all human beings do, whether it's literal appetite for food, you have non-foodies that could care less about food, we hate such people, we hate being around such people. But if you love food and you struggle 11 o'clock at night with that bag of potato chips at 1 a.m. with the whole box of cookies or the pint of ice cream, that appetite, the most important thing to know is that the voice in your mind that tells you, well, you didn't really have such a big lunch today, so you're justified to eat it right now. Really, you're still doing a bunch of work. It's late at night. You need the energy to plow through. Really, it's not technically a carb, so you're not going to your digestive system or your, your uh, metabolic system. Can... That's darkness. That's being trapped in darkness. And that's just one example. I'm focusing on, on the body, but it's true for our eyes. I'm watching that, but it's not really rated this. I'm going to look away for those scenes. It really doesn't matter because I've seen worse. I see more. Our mind has the ability to, we're, we're in darkness, but our mind makes us believe that we can see. And that's the greatest danger. If you're in darkness, but you know you're in darkness, if you're eating things poorly, you have poor habits, but you know they're poor habits, then you have hope of conquering them. You have hope of getting out of them. But when you're trapped by thinking that the darkness is light, that's when we're at our greatest risk. And the Ramchal here makes a critically important comment. Who is best positioned to help us? Somebody who was trapped in the same place as us. Somebody who's been there and climbed out. We should look to those people for inspiration, for guidance, for support, for advice. Don't reject those people. Don't think that, ah, they flipped out, they frummed out. Ah, they're an exercise snob or a health snob. Ah, they have nothing to say to me. Those are the people we should attach ourselves to because they've been where we are and they've climbed out and learning from their methodology, their strategy, learning from their battle and how they conquered it is exactly what can save us. And the Ramchal next gives an amazing mushal, a famous mushal about the maze. This is similar to a garden in the shape of a maze. I remember going as a small child, I just... This memory just struck me. Small child, it was a family trip to England and we went in such a maze where there are hedges that form a maze and you have to try to get to the other side. I just remember being a little kid and in that maze having to go to the bathroom really badly and having no idea how to get out. This is a, a maze which has been designed for amusement for the noblemen and aristocracy. The hedges are built like walls and in the middle of them are paths confusing and interconnected, one the same as the next. And the goal is to reach this gazebo in the center of the garden. Some of the paths, most of the paths don't lead there. But of the paths, it's only one that leads directly there. And they're deceptive because they all look similar. And they all look the same. And every time you make a turn, you're convinced this is the right turn. Every time you're at a, a juncture and you have a choice to make, you're convinced that you are you are in a position to make the right choice. The problem is they all look the same. So when you're in the maze, when you're on that path, 
you have no way of knowing whether you're on the right direction or because there's no GPS, there's no tracking. They all look the same. You can't distinguish them. Only an expert who can recognize the smallest nuances will know which is the right path and the wrong path. Only somebody who's been there, who knows the route, who's gotten to the destination, can guide you. Now let's say there's someone standing at the destination. They're standing at the gazebo in the middle. They're standing at the goal. And they stand on a platform. And they can see the whole maze and they see you in it. And they tell you, make a right, make a left. You're going to reach a thing, then go this way. Would you not listen to them? They're standing on a platform at the destination. They've successfully navigated the maze. And now from their point of view... They're able to guide you and direct you and tell you exactly where to go. Who would ignore them? So a person who wants to turn to them and accept their guidance is going to get to the destination. And the person who says, ah, I could do it myself, I don't need you, I don't trust you, I don't believe you, is going to be endlessly lost in that maze looking for the way out. And that's the message of life. We're in this maze and we're trying to navigate, we're trying to figure out and look at the world around us. I say this every week. The world around us is a dark place, is a maze and people are lost and they're turning to everything to try to find happiness or to numb themselves from that lack of happiness. And we've got the guidebook for how to get through the maze. Your Shalom, God in His great kindness and generosity gave us His guidebook and said... This is how to live life. This is the attitude to food. This is the attitude to time, the attitude to technology, the attitude to sexuality, the attitude to pleasure, the attitude to relationships. Here is a guidebook. Here's how to navigate the maze. Here's how to get the destination. And we have great people who are standing on that platform in the end and they're saying, make a right, make a left, go straight. I've been there. I was down in the trenches. I was lost. I found my way here and now I'm standing up here because I'm telling you how to go. We can either reject them, dismiss them, scorn them, mock them, be cynical about them and try to figure out on our own and be lost as the rest of the world who are searching for happiness and unable to find it. But we can listen carefully. We can accept that guidance and we can arrive at that destination. I'll just end by telling you that Tanya begins in the very first parak of Tanya, quotes a Gemara in Erevin, Nun Gimel, that says, it's a famous uh, story or comment about Derech Arucha Uktsara. So a phrase that comes from the Gemara, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, who describes, he said, no one ever got the better of me ever. Once I was walking in the way, there was a boy and a girl. The boy was a child, he met at this crossroads and he pointed to two paths and he said, this is the long and short way and this is the short and long way. What's the difference between a long and a short way and a short and long way? Just to, to give you the uh, sum of the Gemara. So he went the wrong way first. The short way is, you take shortcuts. And then he got to the destination, but at the end of the shortcut there, there was a wall, and it was impossible to climb over or to get around it. But there was also a longer way. When you got to the end of the long way, there was nothing blocking. Then you were able to access the destination. So the boy said, there's a long and short way or a short and long way. And the Balatanya's understanding, the explanation of that Gemara is that in life, you could take shortcuts. You could take shortcuts to pleasure and happiness. Be hedonistic and decadent and dive in and indulge you can take the shortcut to happiness. It's the short way and the long way. You eat that bag of potato chips, that pint of ice cream, that box of cookies at 1 a.m., it's the short way. It'll taste good and feel good at 1 a.m. 
but it's the long way. Next time you go for your labs and your blood tests for your cholesterol and your sugar and so on. Or you could take the long way, which is the short way. The long way is to have the discipline and self-control, to not look at that thing on the internet, to not say that thing, to not call that a, a business expense when it isn't one, to not wake up late for davening, to not neglect learning, to talk during davening. You could take the long way, which is harder, but it's the short way to getting to the destination if the destination is happiness and the destination is fulfillment. We have the tools and the instruments to navigate the maze. It's only a question of if we want to use them. Have a great day.